A keen observer, it was a clash of tenets of superstitious belief and religious traditions. On one hand, 13 being considered as the harbinger of ill luck, and on the other, Akshatritya, an auspicious entry on the Hindu calendar, falling on the 13th day of May. Akshatritya was considered as the third day of never ending prosperity in Jain and Hindu mythology. It was believed that Kuved received his wealth as well as the pedestal of being the lord of will on this auspicious day of spring. Though it seemed just a regular day for not so fortunate class of the people, but for the rest of the country it was an auspicious day to buy the precious yellow metal. As expected, there was an unprecedented rush at all the jewellery shops spanning across the country. It wasn't like this was a stipulated national day for the sale of gold or any special offer or scheme from the government. It was said that today Goddess Lakshmi would bless with prosperity and wealth to whosoever invested in buying gold or silver jewellery or even steel utensils if the pocket didn't suit buying the costlier metals. Yet, if one randomly selects and stops one of the prospective buyers rushing to the stores, and ask the argument behind this auspicious day, the closest to an answer one would get was a thoughtful hum, an incredulous look. Still, that ignorance was no deterrent for the people to lay seas over all the jewellery shops or to avail golden opportunity to buy precious metal with the not-so-precious money in this golden auspicious period. It was indeed a golden day, not only for the people of this country but also for Chakori though for entirely different reason. She got ready early in the morning and dabbed dollops of deodorant. While storming out, she heard her mother yelling behind her back, reminding her of breakfast. But she was too busy counting the notes in her wallet and offered a deaf ear to her. Chakori neatly folded a wad of around 50,000 rupees in her wallet. She was on a propitious endeavour and if everything went well, as she envisioned, she would prudently use this money by the evening. After all, she had waited patiently for this day for a full one year. Chakori securely tucked the wallet in her skirt pocket, aware of all the possible pickpockets she might encounter on her bus ride. She headed straight to Ghanshamdas and Ramdas, jewellery showroom in the downtown market area. There were around 20 shops in that row, from restaurants to bookshops and apparels to shoes. But today, all the shopkeepers prowled around the entrances of their shop, eyeing all the customers in the market. But to their collective chagrin, none stopped by anywhere short of the jewellery shop. The people were attracted to that jewellery showroom as bees to honey. Today, they calculated that even combined together, they didn't have as many customers as Ghansham does. More out of annoyance and envy than of their ennui, these shopkeepers were gossiping. Chakori too observed this and was amused. Wasn't money an interesting thing, she thought? It could be used to buy things and could be used to get things without buying. While stepping inside the showroom, she glanced at the guard sitting on a stool near the entry, poking his nose with his finger disgustingly. He was old and dicky, looking ill-suited for a guard. Their eyes met and split in one flesh of a moment. 
she entered inside the showroom and he continued sitting there. Somehow, he was overwhelmed and dismayed to see the madness amongst people for buying gold. Once inside the showroom, Chakuri walked past the cash counter where one of the owners, the one she didn't know, was perched on a high chair. Keenly looking at the monitor, displaying the feed from all the cameras installed in the showroom. She saw that all the seats in front of the long U-shaped counter were already taken. So started strolling around looking at various showcases with ornaments on display. They were gorgeous necklace sets with price tags that ran in lakhs. The showroom was brightly flooded with dazzling warm white light. Even a modest silver ring appeared golden under the light effect. She looked at Mr. Das sitting at the cash counter. They exchanged smiles. Those were purposeful smiles, not the usual offhand kind. Her smile bore the touch of contempt at the corner of her mouth and his contained the wisp of smirk in the sparkle of his eyes. The chair was supposedly meant for a man half the weight and one-fourth the girth. Perhaps the chair company had gifted this chair to the showroom for quality testing. Thus, my foot, she thought. How inappropriate the name is, she wondered. She went close to him and started looking at him from closer angles. Ramdas got conscious of the sudden shift of attention from showcases to him by this particular customer. He asked her politely what she was looking for. Trying to find a Das, a servant, she replied disdainfully, and so far, having seen you from all the angles, I couldn't find one. This was definitely a statement to hit him below the belt. He sneered and was about to open his mouth to give a befitting reply when she found an empty chair near the cash counter and lunged forward to grab it. It appeared as if some kind of fancy game of musical chairs was taking place in the showroom. Ramdas, thinking that a customer was akin to God, decided to drop this matter of his insult. Moreover, it was a rush hour and he didn't want to disturb the flow of his cash, counter ringing by creating a scene. He got busy in attending the customer who just rose from the stool which Chakori was presently occupying. She took out her wallet, bulging with a wad of notes of all the denominations of hundred or below and placed it on the counter. What are you looking for, madam? asked the sales girl from the other side of the counter with a fake smile. Her tone was as emotionless and her demeanor as mechanical as a robot in place. As it was just one o'clock in the afternoon, sure enough, Chakuri calculated by this rate the sales girl would be quite distressed by the evening. The more she behaved like a machine, the easier it would be for Chakuri to strike. Wedding ring for my fiance, she replied briskly in an equally cold manner. Okay, the sales girl said with promptness and reflexively turned back. It made Chakori wonder, had she asked for the Beaufort's gun, she would have still said okay and turned back with the same purposeful sense. A little later, she came back with few bright colored satin lined boxes. One by one, she opened the boxes with grace and placed the ring skillfully on the tray in a delicate manner for Chakori to see. Chakori tried one on her finger and stretched her arm to see it from a distance to get a feel of how it would look on her fiancé's hand. Obviously, being a male ring, it didn't fit her and was loosely dangling in her finger. She picked another one and wore it on, another finger, adding more to the different fingers on both hands. The sales girl tried to open her mouth to protest but then decided not to. 
Chakori was a sweet-looking girl of the early twenties, well-dressed and sophisticated, excited for her gifts to her fiancé. Shoplifters don't come in this packing. So assured by her own logic, the sales girl turned back to pick a few more boxes. However, she failed to notice Chakori's nimble, twitchy fingers. As soon as the girl turned around, she lifted her hand once more to see the ring from a distance and slipped it very cleverly on the loose arm of the top she was wearing. And in that single motion, took a hand behind her head to adjust the hairdo. This innocent-looking moment caused the ring to drop further from the arm to the trunk of the top, lying safe inside the top, held by the tuck in trousers. For a keen observer, this could have been quite easy to catch, yet the same observer might have easily missed the second ring which she lodged in her hairdo when she raised her arm. The hairdo had been purposefully done very loose for this auspicious day. So having done, with her shopping, she'd suddenly lost interest in these rings, as they appeared either too tacky or too insipid to her. She excused herself to the sales girl and with a brisk yet elegant motion rose and clumsily overturned the tray while getting up. She appeared quite flustered and apologized to the sales girl. Again, to a keen observer, it might have appeared as if she apologized a moment earlier than the actual moment when she overturned the tray. But the timing or rather mistiming was easy to be missed on casual appearance, especially at the rush hour, and nobody was sitting idle to keenly observe anyone else in the hall. The perplexed sales girl bent over to pick up the scattered rings, and Chakori waited for the sales girl to recover before moving away, so as not to cause any suspicion or alarm. Again, she timed her moving away from the counter at the precise lapse when the sales girl had recovered all the rings but had not counted them yet. Once the sales girl had collected and gathered all minus two rings, without her knowledge of course, she smiled, again mechanically, at Chakori and got busy with stuffing the rings in their respective boxes. Chakori turned swiftly, yet again elegantly, and ambled towards the door. Having mentioned that there wasn't anyone who was not busy in that showroom wasn't entirely true. Bunty, a boy around ten, was sitting two places away from Chakori and was engaged in playing games on his mother's mobile phone. He was dragged to the market in the morning with the promise of being bought his favourite ice cream if he behaved properly during the shopping time. Hitherto, that promise remained unfulfilled. On top of this, the mobile network broke for a while which caused the most absorbed and oblivious Bunty in the showroom to become the keen observer. As soon as Chakori rose from the stool, he immediately nudged and tugged her mother and told her about his keen observations in one breath. The mother gasped and took a breath before trusting the boy and raising an alarm. The whole action was quick enough and didn't give Chakori enough time to reach the door handle. Alarmed, Ramdas jumped from his seat and hurled himself at Chakori with extreme agility, defying his heavy build to the amazement of all the spectators as well as for himself. For a moment it appeared as if Chakori had a bigger threat of being crushed under the weight of the shop owner than being caught. Either way, however, her misadventure wasn't going to end soon, but she continued with the demeanor of being a cool customer. For the first time she realized the advantage of being a female. No one touched her. Had she been a male, she would have been thrashed blue and black by now, and the case quite solved even before the arrival of the cops. 
After being made to hand over the ring, she was asked by the female staff of the showroom to just sit tight on a chair and wait for the cops. She was guarded from all sides to keep her from running away. Particularly, the sales girl who attended her was now more alert and embarrassed. She wished the earth to part and she is being devoured by it. How could she be so fooled by the looks of this girl? How could she be so callous? The cost of the ring was worth her annual take-home salary. After all, she has been working here for the last 10 years, and years of hard work and allegiance, along with credibility of her sharp eyes, were ruined in a few minutes by Chakori. And perhaps this would be the last day for her here in this showroom, as she feared. She covered her face with both her hands and did what many girls are best at doing in these kind of situations, sobbing incessantly. Chakori sat peacefully and triumphantly on the chair waiting for the police to come over and take her to the station. Her head was bowed down, not with the guilt or shame, but to hold the ring which still remained hidden in her hairdo. The sales girl didn't even guess the possibility of the second ring missing. As told previously, the keen observer too missed the second ring being slipped in the hairdo. The police were called and she was handed over to them after the few minutes of formality. Ramdas didn't want to escalate this matter as he had already lost one hour of his important business day and wanted to salvage whatever was left from the day. For the rest of the customers, this seemed nothing more than a big amusement. Ramdas wasn't much fluttered anyway as this was occasional, if not a common happening in jewelry shops across the nation. Okay, miss, let's start by your name, Chakori. That's a strange name, he thought, sounding very similar to Chori, theft. Parents should be more careful in naming their children, he thought. And his thought meandered to his recently born son's provisional name, Manav, rhyming with Danav, Demon. He thought for a while while discussing this naming thing with his wife to change his son's name, hoping earnestly that the name had not yet cast its effect on his son so far. After all, Manav was just six days old. So why did you steal from the shop? Though he knew the redundancy of this question right from the moment words came out of his mouth and the awkwardness of the ensuing silent moment, it was too late now and the question hung in the air for some time without being answered. More than the unbelievability of the fact that she was being interviewed by such a preposterously dumb officer who asked such questions, she felt it so hard to believe that such dimwit people existed in the world and hold such important office. She held her breath to restrain from saying anything, lest it would be nothing other than some profanity. The inspector was still looking intently at her face, expecting an answer, and Chakori, having clasped his gaze on her sealed lips, was using this wonderful opportunity to eye a blue crystal tortoise, a beautiful one, and more importantly for her, an expensive one, sitting on the table. Her fingers twitched. She again restrained herself, as the place, or rather the time, was not appropriate. She was feeling handcuffed already, quite like in a jail, and that too, when even her interrogation hadn't started. She yearned to break free. Such was her compulsiveness of pilfering things. She was not a shoplifter by choice. Kleptomania came instinctively to her. It was a deep, primeval instinct that lay hidden in the clothes of civility and bubbled with exuberance to come out and manifest at the first opportunity. She asked for a glass of water from the inspector, hoping he would get up for a while to fetch her a glass of water 
from a water cooler standing in the corridor adjacent to this room. Just enough time for her to showcase her skill, of course, to herself and later perhaps at a safer time for the inspector to realize as well. To her utter disappointment, he called his orderly without even turning his neck in that direction. Glass of water came, but suddenly she wasn't thirsty anymore. Frustrated, the inspector blurted, Say, why did you steal from that shop? He darted a second question, which was as tautological and stupid, if not more, than the first one, and hence again was left with no choice but to hang in the air indefinitely, till it stopped echoing in their ears. Chakori, already assessing the intelligence of the inspector, decided to ignore his presence in the room. That didn't mean she wasn't thinking at all. Her mind was already racing in another direction, the direction of creating an opportunity to pick the blue tortoise. She was certainly not as slow as a tortoise and could not afford to be. She couldn't let this golden opportunity pass by. It was simply against her work ethics. So what if she had failed partly in her first attempt today? Every failure is a stepping stone to success. She believed in living by this motto and this time a second opportunity had knocked her door sooner than she expected. She was waiting earnestly for the right moment when a sheer stroke of luck, the chance arrived. Some wisecrack had rightly reflected, God helps those who help themselves. It was around tea time and the officer called for a cup of tea and the action gave an idea to Chakori for brewing up a huge possibility. Being unanswered for two previous questions, the officer felt a little consternated to pose another question. But duty is a duty, he thought, and shrugged off his reluctance. Is this your first time? Now this question was miles from the intelligibility of questions. Still, she politely nodded her head in affirmation. Did he expect her to reply no? She has done it almost ten times. The very thought made her chuckle in silence. The officer was working so hard to prove his intelligence, or rather, his unintelligence. For her, though it was a lucky day, the officer was eager to wind up his work as he had a birth-naming ceremony of his son at his home, Chetty Puja, and his wife had requested him to come early. Additionally, he needed to discuss the already decided name of his newborn son. Tea came and he, to drink the tea in a haste, filled it on his pants. An embarrassing situation aroused as he ran to the washroom to clean up, hold his crotch. This simultaneously opened up the window of opportunity for Chakori, just the kind of opening she was looking for. While he had gone for cleaning himself up, she waited patiently for him to return. When he returned, he was already running late and completed the complaint filing without even bothering to sit. In the eagerness to wind up the case, he opened a register and noted the details of the theft along with her particulars. Then in a matter of reprimanding, he rebuked and warned her sternly not to repeat such an offence in the future. Obediently, she shook her head. You look like a decent, sincere girl to me, with a nice upbringing. So what if you are not intelligent enough to enter a college? You should always work honestly to earn a decent living with your calibre. She rose to leave, his last words echoing in her mind. Work to earn a decent living with your caliber. She quipped, what else did he think I am doing so far? She left the police station with her hands in her side pockets and her arms tightly stuck to her sides as if clutching something underneath her arms. Alas, there wasn't a keen observer here.